0: Good morning. Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church of Wausau. Can you all hear me? Okay, great, thank you. Um, So, my name is Melody Moberg, and I am today's guest preacher. I want to extend a special welcome to any visitors joining us this morning. I grew up in this congregation and I'm currently in training to become a Unitarian Universalist minister. I received a Master of Divinity from Seattle University in 2022. Earlier this month I started a chaplaincy internship at Aspirus Hospital in Wausau. I'm wearing a mask today because I'm allergic to something in this beautiful historic sanctuary And the mask helps to filter the allergens for me. I'm so honored to serve as today's guest preacher, and it is good to be together.
1: And as I told uh, Melody earlier, I am looking forward to her leadership and what she has to share with us. Since 1858, UU Wausau has been and has served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentional free society that welcomes all people, just as you are, regardless of age, gender, sexual orientation, ethnicity, economic situation, wherever you are in life's journey whatever it is that is part of your story right now, know that you are welcome in this place and by these people. Between Sundays, we'd love for all of you, any of you, to uh, join in one of the classes or events that happen at or through this church. Be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter and also to follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. And now there were a few announcements that I was asked to highlight. Now remember, I'm not going to read them. That's your job. Yes? Okay. So today is the soup and nut bread sale. All these yummy things you can buy to take home are available after church. Make sure to stop by the table and see what's there. The proceeds will benefit the general fund of the church. And there is a Help for the Homeless Hygiene Drive going on February already through March 3rd. So you have a little bit more time yet. There's a donation box here at the church on behalf of 88.5 FM, the family radio network. Um, The uh, Hygiene Drive is uh, collecting donations of hygiene and cleaning supplies. You can look in the Circuit Writer newsletter that comes weekly, or on the website to f- find further details. And lastly, there is the UU Goods and Service uh, Services Auction. After you know plenty of uh, caring, thoughtful consideration, the date has been set. It's May 4th. Opportunity to connect with new and old friends to do various things that will support the church and support ourselves. Make sure to read about that. There will be even more details as we come closer to that time. Now let's see what else I'm supposed to cover. As we begin our worship time together, let's take a moment to extend some peace and blessing to one another stand up, greet each other with hands, elbows, or whatever it is. (laughs) As we settle back into our spaces, let us take this moment, gather our hearts, our minds, for, for this time of worship together. And would you turn in your bulletin? It's on the first on at the first side, uh, and join me together in reciting this chalice lighting that you find there in your order of service. Thirty spokes share the wheel's hub. It is the center hole that makes it useful. Shape clay into a vessel. It is the space within that makes it useful. Cut doors and windows for a room. It is the hole that makes it useful. Therefore, profit comes from what is there. Usefulness from what is not there. Oh, yes, the opening hymn. All right, our opening hymn is found on number, it's number 311 in the large gray books. Would you turn to that and then stand in body or in spirit and let's sing together.
2: This morning, I want to share with you my retelling of a cup of tea from the Building Bridges curriculum. A Japanese master during the Meiji era, which is like the late 1800s, early 1900s, welcomed a university professor who had asked to see him. The professor arrived, answered the master's simple polite greeting with a short snobby reply and strode past him into the house without being invited in. The old man followed his guest quietly into the sparsely furnished living room and watched with his usual peaceful expression as the professor seated himself, again, without being invited to. Will you honor me as my guest for tea? The master asked the professor. Yes, tea would be fine, was the blunt reply. And I want to ask you some questions, the professor continued with a smug smirk. They say you are very wise, and I would learn what you have to teach. Certainly, the master replied. I will gladly share all I know, but first, let's have tea. The professor frowned at the master and sighed impatiently. Very well, he said, as his voice was very snippy and rearranged his silken coat after tea. The master focused on his task. He prepared the tea to the perfect temperature, steeped it just long enough, but not too long, just the way Margaret likes it set the simple lovely dishes and a lovely arrangement on the cloth. And as the master worked, the professor cleared his throat and adjusted his coat again, clearly annoyed at how long it was taking. The master at last finished his preparations and was ready to pour. The master held the pot over his visitor cup and began to serve him tea. The professor impatiently reached for the cup before it was half full, and the master continued filling the cup. He poured his visitor's cup three-quarters full and then kept pouring. When the cup was full to the brim, the master kept pouring, and the tea ran over the edge of the cup into the saucer. The master gazed calmly at the cup and continued to pour, and the tea overran the saucer and began to run over the table. The professor watched the cup overflow until he could no longer restrain himself. The cup is full! No more will go in, he yelled. So it is, said the master. And he stopped pouring the tea into the cup. He looked at the professor with his kind, steady gaze and said, like this cup, you are full to the brim with your own opinions and your own importance. How can you learn anything unless you empty your cup first? And that is our story for today. This morning our children our preschoolers through sixth graders are invited to come downstairs for our children's chapel and whether you're remaining in worship or heading off to one of our re groups this morning I invite you to bless everyone here with our children's song the words are printed in your order of service
0: join me in the spirit of meditation and prayer. You may close your eyes. Take a moment to notice your body. And now move your body and see if you can make yourself 10% more comfortable. Notice where your feet touch the ground and where your body is touching your seat. Thinking of our time for all ages story of the empty cup, I wanted to offer some meditations on this theme to start. I wonder if you can notice a place in your body or your life where you are overflowing. Where might you be overflowing? I wonder if you can notice a place in your body or your life where you feel empty or maybe spacious. Is there a place where you're overflowing and you'd like to be empty? And perhaps, is there a place where you're empty and you'd like to be overflowing? Spirit of life, spirit of love, may we connect with the empty cup within. May we access moments of centering where we can let go of the burdens we carry with us each day. Let go of burdens and thus connect with the living world. Release your mental burdens at least for a moment. Release striving to be successful enough. Release striving to be smart enough. Release striving to be good enough. The living world waits for us in the smallest of moments, offering sacred presence and emptiness, in silence, The living world might be present in the pause between breaths spirit of life and love we offer a broader intention as well to care for all those who are suffering and in particular to protect our transgender non-binary and gender expansive youth may they too find acceptance safety and flourishing Spirit of life awaken within us seeds of compassion Even when the world numbs us in its cruelty Accompany us both through deep valleys of grief and broad vistas of joy To these words You are now invited to add your own silent prayers and intentions. May it be so, and blessed be. Now please remain seated for hymn number 318, We Would Be One.
1: The mission and ministry of UU Wausau is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members. You can place a gift in the basket as it is passed by you, and you can also make gifts of one-time or recurring gifts by going to our website, uuwausau.org. You may do this with either your credit or debit card. Thank you. Thank you for your support.
0: Today's reading is the first chapter of the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu, translated by Fung and English. And this reading speaks to me of mystery and the limitations of language. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The nameless is the beginning of heaven and earth. The named is the mother of ten thousand things. Ever desireless, one can see the mystery. Ever desiring, one can see manifestations. These two spring from the same source but differ in name. This appears as darkness darkness within darkness, the gate to all mystery. I was blessed to grow up in this congregation. In 2011, I got a job to work as a religious educator at a Unitarian Universalist Church in Seattle, Washington. I was really excited and nervous about this opportunity. And before I left Wisconsin, I had the chance to meet with the Reverend Glenda Walker who served this congregation for so, so many years. She was my minister when I was a child. And she also knew that I was interested in becoming a minister. She gave me a book, which was a collection of daily meditations for the year, written by the contemporary Chinese-American Taoist, Deng Ming Dao. My first year living in Seattle was grounded by doing these readings every morning. The first entry, entitled Beginning, reads, this is the moment of embarking. All auspicious signs are in place. And that too felt auspicious for me. And this book was my first experience of doing something like a daily devotional, which is the practice of slowly reading through a text each morning as a way of grounding myself an opening to reverence and curiosity. These readings guided me as I learned to make my way in a new city. They guided me in discovering new paths and a new chapter in my life. And this practice of using a daily devotional has companioned me many, many times since. Today I'm speaking about the Chinese religion and philosophical tradition of Taoism. I studied this religion academically, but there is still so much I don't know about it. There are teachings and texts which I simply don't understand. I hope this offering might share some of the facets of this tradition that I find life-giving. Taoism offers many lenses for deep engagement with the living world. And I hope my message will be faithful to this tradition. So I encountered Taoism as a religious studies major in college and Taoism intrigued me because it was just so different from the other religions that I was studying there. The Tao Te Ching is the central sacred text of Taoism. And when I first read passages of it, including the passage that I read during our reading, the passages seem to overflow with meaning and sacred presence. I'm going to begin by going over some key Taoist terminology. In Taoism, humans and animals are meant to live in in balance with the Tao. The Tao is the most important term and Tao means the way, way-making, or the universe. Qi is the energy that flows through the cosmos on a macro scale and through the human body on a micro scale. In the Tao Te Ching, a philosophical translation, the scholars Ames and Hall define Qi as, quote, both the animating energy and that which is animated. And as some of you may know, acupuncture from traditional Chinese medicine seeks to heal the body through directing blockages of qi in the body. The Dao Te Ching can be translated as the way and its virtue or the way and its power. And I find it meaningful that da can be translated as both virtue and power. Ames and Hall define day as the insistent particularity of things. The Tao Te Ching is attributed to the philosopher Lao Tzu, who lived near the time of Confucius, around 500 before the Common Era. It's likely that the Tao Te Ching, like many, many sacred texts, is actually a collection of sayings from many different authors. The writings of Zhuangzi, another important Taoist work of stories and lessons, dates to 400 BCE, so about 100 years after the Tao Te Ching. And in English, you might see Romanized spellings of Tao or Taoism written with either a D or a T. And the T spelling comes from an older Romanization system, while the D spelling is more contemporary. Zhang Daoyang founded Taoism as a formal religion, not just a philosophical system, in 150 Common Era in China. And so this was about 650 years after the Tao Te Ching was written. Before the founding of the People's Republic in China, it was common for people to practice a combination of Confucianism, Buddhism, and Taoism in China. And I find this really fascinating. So Zen Buddhism, which is also called Chan Buddhism, um, it developed when Taoism and Buddhism interacted with each other in China. And this happened when Buddhism moved east from India through China and then to Japan. And I find it fascinating because so much richness emerges when cultures and religious ideas connect with each other and cross-pollinate. So now I want to talk about some of the core ideas from Taoism. The first is the importance of connecting with the Tao or connecting with the way. Following the Tao means to go with the flow or in the words of Hua Feng Dao She, to follow a way of yielding suppleness. Yielding suppleness. Ames and Hao translate Dao as way-making, and they interpret the the, the term as meaning both a path and actively forging your way forward on that path. And I think of it this way, imagine that you're hiking, you might encounter three different varieties of paths on your journey. The paths that you forge, maybe wrestling through undergrowth to get to a vista or a patch of blackberries. There's the path that you follow on your map. And the third path is the hidden paths which emerge as you're journeying forward. And you don't know they'll be there until they appear and you're curious to follow them, maybe a space where a deer has trampled a way forward in the forest. Perhaps the Dao as both way Wei and way-making is kind of like a combination of these three different sorts of paths. Taoism is not theistic, um, so that means that they're a religion that does not believe in God. And the way is not God with a capital G, and it's not something that's strictly spiritual. It's a natural system, something like the universe. However, the Tao might include smaller gods or deities. Taoism doesn't categorically separate the spiritual and the material like so many traditions do. And in terms of something like a cosmology or an afterlife, the scholar states that, um, quote, objects condense out of the Tao, objects or people condense out of the Tao, they're carried along with it through their lives, and then they dissolve back into it at death because they've never really been separate from it. They've never really been separate from it. An emblematic quality of Taoism is that the Tao is bigger and broader than language can contain. As you heard, the Tao Te Ching begins with the powerful message, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. An important symbol in Taoism um, that many will recognize is the black and white yin yang symbol. And this depicts the balance and interconnectedness of opposites. On the yin side, we see, um, or in the yin yang symbol, we see opposites like darkness and light flow into each other and there's an element of each in its opposite. The opposites of darkness and light flow into each other, both equal in strength and influence, each contained in the heart of the other. I personally think of the yin yang symbol a bit like the winter solstice. So over here, um, the winter solstice is marked by overwhelming darkness, countered by practices of bonfires and candle lighting. And simultaneously, on the whole other side of the globe, people are celebrating their summer solstice, a summer solstice with overwhelming light, and with it, the delight that comes from sitting under a shady tree or going into a dark, cool movie theater. The concept of emptiness is important in Taoism as well. It's more than just the absence of something. Emptiness itself has value, And we see this described in chapter 11 of the Tao Te Ching, which reads, Shape clay into a vessel. It is the space within that makes it useful. Cut doors and windows for a room. It is the holes which make it useful. Therefore, profit comes from what is there. Usefulness from what is not there. (laughs) Emptiness is also an important component of Chan or Zen Buddhism. So in researching for this sermon, I was surprised to learn that the Tao Te Ching was written um, in the wake of a time of war. So it's coming out of a time of war. And living in alignment with the Tao could be a path to peace. There's a sobering passage in chapter 46 of the Tao Te Ching, which reads, quote, When the Tao is present in the universe, the horses haul manure. And when the Tao is absent from the universe, war horses are bred outside the city. There's an anti-war component to the text. Confucianism reiterates the importance of orderly hierarchies in politics and family. In contrast, the Tao Te Ching includes passages stating that rulers should act honorably towards their subjects, and that a ruler should never exploit their power differential or practice cruelty. Taoism also emerged from a context of unification and community. It became a religion during a time when different Chinese states were unifying together. And the Tao is a concept which is broad enough that it could include the many particular gods and practices venerated in those different states. Taoism was able to function as a unifying religion because individual states didn't have to get rid of their local religious practices. On a more subtle level, Taoism emerged in a culture which prizes unity. And this is a culture which is so, so different than our contemporary American culture, which is immensely individualistic. Chinese cultural practices of respect, valuing the family, and valuing community can act as safeguards um, against religious practices being misused, um, as they often are in contemporary American contexts. Here are some examples of such misunderstandings. She writes that in the mid-20th century, some Western ra- writers saw Taoist sages as being beatniks from the Far East, who defied authority, rejected society, and constantly got drunk. And similarly, Western writers use Taoist terminology to sell advancement in this world with Um, book titles like The Tao of Power, The Tao of Management, or The Tao of Financial Investment. The Tao Te Ching is often cited as the second most translated book in the world after the Bible. And like the Bible, different translations of the Tao Te Ching lead to different understandings and sometimes very um, important misunderstandings of the text. Ames and Hall write that Chinese philosophy has been made familiar to Western readers, first by Christianizing it, so making it seem more Christian, and then secondly, and more recently, by locating it within what they call a poetical, mystical, occult worldview. So the poetical, mystical, occult worldview is usually a stereotype of Asian cultures where everything in Asia is imagined to be ancient, mystical, and sexualized. So in terms of Christianization, it's notable that the first English translation of the Dao De Jing into English was made by the Protestant Christian missionary, John Chalmers. And many 19th century translations of the Dao De Jing were first made by Christian missionaries in China. These translations projected Christian and European ideas onto the text. And I find some of these um, translations to be really funny. Um, So Chalmers entitled his translation of the Tao Te Ching as, quote, the speculations on metaphysics, polity, and morality of the old philosopher Lao Tse. Artea Panejadovic writes that the word Tao was translated by these Protestant missionaries sometimes as the way, sometimes as reason, and sometimes as um, providence, the logos, and God. And so these are words from a Western philosophical tradition, especially reason, I think. Um, And they misinterpret what the text was all about. In my own personal life, a few years ago, I was interested in looking through the Dao De again. And so I looked through my bookshelf and I found a copy of it that I had that was made by, um, it was translated by a very popular translator. And so I started paging through the introduction and I read the translator claim that it didn't matter that he couldn't speak Chinese. He was a great translator because um, since he practiced Buddhist meditation, he could enter the mind of Lao Tzu and, you know, get direct transmissions from him. Um, so I was, yeah, pretty shocked by that lack of humility. It's human to be pulled longingly towards sacred texts. It's human to connect with them, to see ourselves reflected there, but. Um, Sacred texts always have something that's called a surplus of meaning, a surplus of meaning. And that means that texts can be applicable to the time where they were written and they're applicable to our our own time. But there's just a lot of meanings that still exist um, which are tethered to the time and place of their creation and perhaps to future times and creations. Lao Tzu wasn't a beatnik from the Far East. A contemporary American writer can't enter his mind. And sacred texts are always for us and not for us alone. And this is part of what makes them sacred. The final concept I'd like to explore from Taoism is called Wu Wei. So Wu Wei is how a person is able to get into alignment with the Tao or the Wei. And wu-wei means not doing or non-coercive action. It's an attitude of non-attachment. Water is a really common metaphor for wu-wei. If you want to swim in a river, wu-wei might mean floating with the current and not struggling to swim up against it. It's literally going with the flow. The writer Mary Isaacs writes that water illustrates the concept of flow and great power, deriving from its softness, adaptability, responsiveness, and balance. Moving into alignment with the Tao requires moving smartly rather than with excessive force. The writings of Zhuangzi include many stories of people deeply connected with the Tao who practice Wu Wei. Some of these examples are definitely from a different time and culture. Um, That's a little less familiar to us. So one is um, the story of a practiced butcher who has trained so many years to do butchering and he's able to quickly and swiftly carve an ox without any extra effort or movement, just taking the movements that are needed There's another story of a man who is so tuned in to the way that he's able to swiftly and intuitively catch cicadas on a sticky pole. Um, So that's the example that I don't quite understand. Um, But one of the more famous Zhuangzi stories of not doing is that of the woodcarver. It reads as follows. Woodworker Ching, carved a piece of wood and made a bell stand and when it was finished everyone who saw it marveled for it seemed to be the work of gods or spirits and when the marquis of lu saw it he asked what art is it you have and this was his boss who was asking ching replied i am only a craftsman how would i have any art There is one thing however, when I'm going to make a bell stand, I never let it wear out my energy. I always fast in order to clear my mind. He continues, when I have fasted for three days, I no longer have any thoughts of congratulations or rewards of titles or stipends. When I have fasted for five days, I no longer have any thought of praise or blame Skill or clumsiness. And when I fasted for seven days, I'm so still that I forget I have four limbs and a body and a form. And by that time, the ruler and his court no longer exist for me. My skill is concentrated and all outside distractions have fallen away. After that, I go to the mountain forest and I examine the heavenly nature of the trees. If I find one of superlative form, and if I can see a bell stand within it, I go there. I put my hand to the job of carving it, and if I don't find such a tree, I let it go. This way, I'm simply matching up heaven with heaven, and that's probably the reason why people wonder if the results were not made by spirits. And there ends the story. So the wood carver uses wu-wei, not doing a non-coercive action. The act of carving the bell stand happens pretty quickly and intuitively, but that's only after a week of intense focus and building up qi through spiritual practices like fasting. The woodcarver discerns the tree which contains the bell stand by paying close attention to the tree's inner nature and if that inner nature aligns with his own inner nature. To put it another way, intense focus allows the woodcarver to truly perceive the day of the tree, to perceive its virtue or its power or its insistent particularity. In seeing this, the woodcarver practices wu-wei and connects with the Tao. This story, I think, offers a glimpse of what might be possible if we pay attention to the insistent particularity of the world around us. And this might create a lack of self-consciousness, but more importantly, it creates a deep attunement and flow May we all be visited by such moments of attunement and reference. May it be so, and blessed be. Now please rise in body or in spirit to join in singing hymn number 108, My Life Flows On, in Endless Song. Please remain standing, and if you are so moved, reach out and hold hands with those around you. Today's benediction comes from Sarah York. We receive fragments of holiness, glimpses of eternity, brief moments of insight. Let us gather them up for the precious gifts that they are and renewed by their grace, move boldly into the unknown. Now, please stay seated to enjoy the postlude. All are welcome to join in the atrium afterwards for coffee and fellowship.
2: We have a special day. It is Melody's birthday, so if you would please join us all in singing. Happy birthday.
0: much that was definitely the best happy birthday i've ever heard so thank you